Hello, and welcome to Career Talk with OG, where we empower you so opportunities come to you. Through our series of podcasts, we will give you relevant, practical, actionable career tips and strategies. We believe that through the act of storytelling, we can deliver relatable and authentic talks that allow listeners to gain real-world insight into the career journeys of industry professionals. With our very own Sasson, we bring to you Career Talk with OG. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Or hey, you know, nowadays we got some people from across the world. So happy hour to you. Good night. Wherever it is that you are joining us today. Welcome back again to another series of Career Talk with OG. In a minute, I'm going to introduce my buddy, Gene Rice. But before I do, I want to give all of you a big, big thank you. First of all, to those of you that were able to attend yesterday's free professional development webinar on how to network like a comadre on LinkedIn, uh, you know, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir. There was a lot of energy, a lot of engagement, uh, just a safe space to be able to share how to build and nourish relationships on uh, the LinkedIn platform. Uh, those of you that were not able to join, uh, but you did register, we will be sharing the um, uh, the recording with you. And uh, if you didn't weren't able to register and still want to, just go ahead and message me, uh, send me your email address or send it to Angelica and uh, we'll make sure we get that link to you. I do also want to let you know that on July 19th, as you can see on the screen, I will be doing the third and final uh, free professional development uh, series. And this time, where I'm going to be talking about how to create and promote your career portfolio like a chingona. And those of you that don't speak Spanish, chingona means badass. All right. So that's what we're going to do. All right. So, Gene, welcome, my friend, to Career Talk with OG. Buddy, you look so presidential because you are. I love it. <laughs> I can go put a T-shirt on if you want me to, Oscar. <laughs> hey, whatever makes you feel comfortable, my friend, but... Well, let me let me uh, 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 introduce you here, Gene, and obviously then I'll ask you, you know, go a little bit uh, more in depth. But today, the topic is how to find our passion. It is a topic that many of us, you know, are searching for. It's kind of like that fountain of youth, right? We're searching for it. Career coaches, career counselors, high school, college mentors, you know, we hear it so much. It's like, hey, find what your passion is, find what you love, and you will never work a day in your life. But Gene, a little bit about Gene's background. He is a leading executive uh, uh, retained recruiter who has placed over a thousand executives while building one of the largest search firms in the world, folks. He is also chairman of Rice Cohen International and co-founder. This guy's got a big heart too. You know, that's my style too. But he is also a co-founder of Plant a Seed Inspired a Dream Foundation, which has helped over 700 children pursue their passions. He brings a desire to, to help others in all he does. And with his daughter, he is has co-authored the book, Grad to Grown Up. Gene, my friend, again, welcome to Career Talk with OG. Oscar, thank you so much. And like I mentioned to you before, I've had the pleasure of listening to a few of your podcasts. And I, I love what you're doing and, and keep it up, my friend, because you're making a difference. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of true, right? What they say that the, the universe, you attract like-minded uh, folks. And look, I mean, I, I, again, when I read your bio and I uh, began to learn more about the work that you do and, you know, the, you work and support children, nonprofit and Obviously, you're also very successful in business and now an author. I'm like, I love this guy. I love this guy. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Gene, I always ask my guests to, you know, I gave your professional background bio, but please, please share with uh, our audience more, a little bit more about who Gene is. And hey, listen, my friend, if you want to, you know, talk about, you know, whatever is, you know, <laughs> is dear in your heart, go for it. This is, we're going to keep this thing casual here. You know, Oscar, really quickly, you know, from a from a business point of view, I have a very different type of background. 
I started myself as a club owner in New York. I owned rock and roll clubs that booked only original music. One was extremely successful. The other one was a complete failure. But, you know, from failure, you learn and yes. you move on, right? I went into corporate America and uh, I happened to be with a division of an international Fortune 100 company, Alcatel. I spent seven mm -hmm. years with them and got promoted five times from sales to sales manager to general manager to district manager. I ended up for Alcatel heading up East Coast operations and probably had over a thousand people reporting or directly or indirectly to me. Wonderful career, except I was on an airplane every single day, Oscar. And uh, I had young yes. children and I yes. wanted to be home at night. So yes. I went into executive search. Uh, I took my number one GM and my friend and we built Rice Cohen International. We had used a bunch of search firms in building my staff. I thought I could bring some value to it. But I've been really blessed from a couple of perspectives. I have four children and now four young grandchildren. They oh, all live within 10 minutes of where my wife and I live. Oh, that's too. beautiful. So we're, you know, we're with them all the time. It's part yeah. of our lives. And I found, I found purpose in my life. I found purpose in what I did every day. So I didn't wake up in the morning and feel like I was going to a job or going to work. I found purpose. Yes. And uh, I, I love what I did. And, and one of the reasons why I wrote the book, I've placed over a thousand executives. You know, I, I've interviewed tens of thousands. My company has placed probably a hundred thousand. <clears throat> I will tell you that the executives that are most valued to their stockholders, to their board and to their staff are the ones who find purpose and meaning in their lives. I really believe that you cannot have real professional success without personal success, Oscar. And yes. that's what the book talks about, right? I believe one of the great goals of every human being should be to find something that they sincerely love doing and then doing it well enough that they can earn a career doing that. Because yes. my own personal experience is if you can find that, you don't wake up in the morning going to, to a job. You yes. wake up in the morning going to something you love. Your personal health is better. Your mm -hmm. relationships are better. The mm -hmm. glass isn't half full. It's overflowing. Yes. I think we've all, you know, we all know people that, you know, that, that look at life that way. How much fun, you know, talking to you, Oscar, I, I, I think you're that kind of person. How much more fun is it to be around those people? Yes. Well, one of the chapters in the book is, you know, you can either be an Eeyore or you can be a Tigger. How much more? <laughs> How much more Gee, is it to hang out with Tigger? You yes, Gene. I, I listen. I, I think you. I, what you just said about uh, Eeyore and Tigger, I talk about that in some of my trainings. How you run across, or at least in my case, I run across. Um, well, before the pandemic, it was in person, but still <laughs> online. People that are professionals that are really good at what they do, but they have that Eeyore attitude, and yeah. you connect with them on LinkedIn, and then like. You know, the next day they they want me to make an, introduce him to an opportunity to Gene, and I, I don't tell him this, but I'm like in my mind I'm like, buddy, but I you're Eeyore. I don't introduce Eeyore to Gene. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and here's what I'm telling you, Oscar. Right? I read a survey recently of 2,000 executives that were interviewed. 51 percent of them said they had no job satisfaction. Wow. No job satisfaction. They're wow. waking up and doing something for a paycheck. Yeah. The young adults that I write about in this book, Grad to Grown Up, that's been my experience. And that's one of the things I want to talk about, Oscar. Yes. You know, I would bring in four college interns every summer into my office for eight weeks. Mm -hmm. and, these, and, and they went through a pretty intense interviewing process to get hired. So they were bright kids, right? Yes. Yes. I felt if they were coming into my office for eight weeks, I needed to spend time with them. So yes. I started off every week spending a couple of hours with them. It started off as Gene's life lessons, the things I wish I knew, Oscar, going into my senior year in college. Yes. All the yes. mistakes that I made that maybe I can share with them, which might help them avoid some of the bumps in the road. Mm -hmm. What came out of it was so many other questions that made me, you know, I was very surprised how ill-prepared they were, not only to start their professional careers, but their personal careers. Yes. And when you really, I spent time with them and I had asked them, why are you going into engineering? Why do you want to be an accountant? Why are you, why do you want to go to law school? Right. If you really had that conversation with a young adult, 
What came out of it was somebody influential in their life, Oscar, whether it was a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, a coach, kind of geared them in a certain direction, right? Yes. And, yes. you know, and a lot of times they were geared in that direction because they could make a good living doing it, right? Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I find frustrating is so many of them have never experienced what that job is going to be, yes. right? And I've yes. had so many of them come back to me after doing it. And let me give you an example, Oscar. I, I know two young adults that went to two of the best law schools in America. One went to NYU, one went to Boston College. One of them came out with college loans that would knock you off your chair. You know, there's $1.6 trillion in college loans in this country, right? Mm. They both got, they both graduated in the top 25% of their law class. They both went to work for big law firms. You know what? Two years into it, they hated, they hated waking up in the morning, right? Yeah, now, yeah. let me tell you how I, what I did. My daughter, who I wrote the book with, Courtney, Courtney went to Lehigh University, Oscar. She graduated with a double major, economics and English, right? Yes. At Lehigh, if you graduated with a 3.75 GPA or higher, they would pay for your master's. She wow. stayed and she got a free master's. Mm -hmm. She thought she wanted to be a lawyer. Now, knowing what I know, I said, Courtney, before you do that, let's see if we can find a small boutique law firm locally. Yes that you can work for free, that maybe a young partner will take you and expose you to what, what it's, you know, what it means to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And she went and for one summer, we got a law, small law firm and a, a partner exposed to Oscar to every element of being a lawyer, the admin, the research. He took her into the courtroom multiple times. What came out of that at the end of that summer, she had no desire to be a lawyer. Now, listen, there's a lot of people that love being a lawyer. Yeah, of course. But, yes, yes. She always wanted to be a teacher, but she felt that was under her. Like all yeah. of her friends that she was graduating with were going into these high paying jobs. Yeah. And I just said, follow your passion. You know, she's a high school English teacher now for nine years. I had the great pleasure of going into a Wawa in the town that she taught in. And there was four kids at the Wawa, Oscar, that, that she taught that were working there. And seeing how these young people were reacting to my daughter and how happy they were to see her and the things that they were sharing with her, she had purpose in her life. You know, yes. she has purpose in her life. Yes. And I'm here to encourage every young person, right? Every great dream begins with a dreamer. Yes. Don't give up that passion. Do everything you can. It's okay to have a plan B, yes. but don't go down without a fight. And yeah. everyone talks about, yes, have passion, pursue your passions. I think what I did a little differently in the book, Grad to Grown Up, is I give them a roadmap on how they, how they find their passion and then how do they get interviews and then how do they interview effectively to get offers in their passion, right? Mm, That's yes. the difference. I give them step by step by step, you know? Yes. And I've just seen in my life the difference it makes with people human beings that have purpose in their life and can figure out how to make a living doing something they're passionate about. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and Gene, I, and we're going to get into here, you know, um, to have you share some of these tips uh, on, on helping people find their passion. I want to go back to something that you said early uh, 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 in the conversation here. And uh, you reminded me, so I, I, I mean, as I'm listening to you, you're, you're describing part of my journey of trying to figure out what the heck it is that I wanted to do when I grew up. Uh, I mean, I came from a background. My dad was a dishwasher. My mom worked as a hotel maid. So blue collar workers, I, I, they didn't give me guidance. I didn't know what to, you know, to give me guidance. And I majored in, in history, Chicano studies. We're because, very similar. <laughs> yeah, because I, I mean, I, I love history. I'm like, okay, fine. But it's not because I wanted to be a professor or anything like that. Um, but for a number of years, I was kind of transitioning careers, trying to figure out what it is that I wanted. And I did work for about 12 years in the tech industry. And I remember supporting some of the outside sales guys that were doing a lot of traveling, especially one particular salesperson 
who was traveling from the Bay Area to Japan to Asia, constantly gone. I mean, when you go to Asia for business, you can't just go, you know, now you can't even go Monday through Friday, really, if you really want to make an impact uh, out there. I mean, you're going to, he went for at least two weeks and he had a family and all that. He made some good money. And as a young professional, myself then, I used to look at him and, and be like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. You know, he's, because we were selling, a small deal was a million dollars back then. Okay. So obviously yeah. his commissions were, yeah. checks were, were, were big. And again, as a, as a young professional, I looked up to him and strived to be where he was in the position. Today, though, Gene, thank God that I didn't go into it. Almost kind of like your daughter, you know, not going into law. Because for me personally, being away that much from not just your family, but your health and so many other things, right? And so, you know, it's, it's really interesting that you're, and I'm glad that you and your daughter wrote this book because it's going to help a lot of young professionals really get on the right track early on with their careers and maybe not have to experiment so much and be 53 years old and then figure out what it is that you want to do. Not that there's anything wrong. That's how old I am, okay? Not that there's anything wrong. But listen, if I could have figured stuff out sooner, count me in, right? Type of thing. But um, Gene, let's talk. Let's So... Tell us, it sounds like a, uh, a lot of your advice in your book comes from your own personal career journey. Is yeah. that correct? Correct. Correct. Is there a, a time in your career that just kind of flipped the switch for you in terms of like finding that passion? Was it, some, was it a moment, an experience, a person, a mentor that just kind of just flipped the switch and you're like, all right, I'm on the right track now. Let me just share with you. Uh, my dad, you know, was he came from Ireland when he was 26 years old. There was there was a famine. He came over here. He was a steam fitter in New York. So I grew up one of six children, Oscar. So very similar background. Mm -hmm. I went to St. John's. I was a history major with a minor in philosophy. All right. So <laughs> I had a real passion for history as well. Now, thank God you could transfer that into sales. Right. So, yes. uh, you know, back in those days. But let me share with you. And this is why I know it's so important. So I'm at Alcatel at that time. You would have thought I was what you were classified as a fast tracker, Oscar, right? Really, really fast. I was making six figures in the late 1980s. It wasn't mm. about money. It wasn't about money. I wanted more work-life balance. I wanted mm. to be home with the wife and the kids. Yes. I wish I could tell you that I went into executive search because I knew it would give me and fulfill that passion. I didn't know what I was going to get. I was only hoping. I, didn't, I wasn't even trying to make more money. If, if I could make the same money and be home at night, it was going to be a win for me. Yes. Well, I went. The firm took off extremely, extremely fast. You know, we did some really good things. You know, before we left, me and the GM went to the CEO and convinced him to let us do all the hiring of his staff. We knew exactly how much they had paid. So we opened up with a client right away, you know. Uh, but I didn't realize what I would find. And when I first went into recruiting Oscar, my partner and I decided, do we put our name on the door or do we buy a franchise? And it, investigating everything, we decided to align with, at that time, the largest recruiting franchise in the world, a company called Management Recruiters International that had a thousand offices, right? Wow. We felt that if they had a winning model, Okay, we can take it and we can and we can build off it. But they did all contingency recruiting, meaning they might work on an assignment like more mid-level kind of assignments. They might work on an assignment with three other recruiting firms and someone internally sending resumes. I never would have stayed in that industry. We we did more business the first year, Oscar, than any one of their franchises ever done. We were their new office of the year. We went on to be recognized seven times as their officer of the year. My partner and I were the managing partners of the year, right? But then what ended up happening is we started getting invited into the boardroom, competing for the CEO searches. The uh, only time yes. we would lose a search 
is when they came back to us and said, we love you guys, but, you know, we're going to have to go with someone else because, you know, your name kind of it represents what you do. You don't do this level. And my partner and I finally made a decision. We said, listen, if we're going to lose business, I want to lose it based on us. I don't want to <laughs> base it on the name of the franchise. Yeah. So we, we changed our name, the Rice Cohen International. And the franchise should have been smart and should have let us leave at that time. Yes. But we were their biggest order uh, office. They were using us to, you know, video training everyone else. They let us change the name. Now, what happened? Fast forward, Oscar. We ended up selling the business. The billion, the, once we changed the name, the firm just exploded. A billion-dollar firm came and acquired us, right? You look at MRI now, they, I think they have like less than 100 offices because once they allowed us to change the name, everyone else started changing the name. Mm. And then all of a sudden, the value of the franchise was not the same anymore, you yes. know? So, but to, to answer your original question, if I had to do contingency recruiting, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't be in the business. As I moved to executive retain, where we're doing a senior level, we're working exclusively with the client, we're getting paid whether they hire an internal person, one of our people, we interview all the candidates, right? You yes. build real relationships on both sides. And that's what gave me my purpose. Half of these executives that we were placing because they were senior level positions, Oscar, had to pick their families up from one city and move to another city yes. to do the job. I yes. always felt if I'm going to impact this family this way, I have to absolutely make sure this is a good match. Yes. So we, we put a bunch of things in place to make sure we screen, to make sure that we knew that we did everything we can to guarantee success, both short term and long term. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And yes. that gave me purpose. That's that was, that's where my passion was in getting to know the executives, the clients. And because and, a lot of the companies might have been small, Oscar. The person we put in might not only determine how well that firm does, it might determine whether that firm even exists, you know? Yes. So, yes. You, so you really wanted, you know, I took ownership in that and that gave me purpose. So to answer your question, I didn't know I'd find that, mm -hmm. but that's the reason why I stayed in the business over 30 years. Wow. You know? Oh, gosh. And, and so, Gene, so let me ask you this. Um, as you have now for... 30 plus years have interviewed again, thousands and thousands of executives and C-level people and so forth. But let's just, let's just talk right now. C-level. What are, what are like three things that make a C-level person stand out in your mind as far as, from a passion standpoint where you can say this person does truly have this passion versus another C-level executive where you're like wondering if they do or not, you know, let me, let me answer that a little differently. Right. Okay. So when we would work with a client, we put together what we call a search assignment profile, exactly what the client was looking for, the must haves, the wish list, also what, what the client had to offer. You know, what were they offering? Right. And then when we interviewed a candidate, even before I talked about my client and the position, Oscar, I would ask some simple questions that would give me some of the answers on whether this is even a viable fit for, for the candidate. I'd ask them, let me just I want to get to know you a little bit. I'd say you've had a great career. I'd like to understand in your career when you've been the happiest professionally. And what was going on that made you feel that way? Okay. Number two, what do you like best about your current position? Yeah. Number three, if you were the chairman of the firm, what would you change about your current position? Okay. Number four, if I gave you a, a magic wand and I said, Oscar, you can create the ideal next company and position and culture for yourself. What would you create? Mm -hmm. Tell me what the company would be doing. What would the culture be like? What would your role be like? Yes. And then very quickly, Oscar, that would give me a snapshot. Do I even have anything to talk to him about? Does my client match with this, when this candidate's been happiest? Can we help them with some of the pain points, right? Is this going to really enhance their career? Yeah. And I will tell you, I would tell the candidates right up front, and, I, and I'm going to tell your audience, 
The one thing I can share with you about 30 years of doing executive search, there is three things that makes for not only a good fit between a candidate and a company short term, but also long term. No matter if you're going to think about joining a firm, you should feel no matter if you're a young adult or a CEO, can I come into this company and can I add value? Can I make a difference? Mm-hmm. Now, equally as important, Oscar, a year down the road, if you're going to make a move, you should be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, as a result of joining XYZ company, I've grown professionally in, in these ways. Okay. Yeah. Yep. It can't be one way. It's got to be both ways. Yes. Now, the third thing, and this is where a lot of the young adults mess up. The first. So listen up, folks. The first two can be there, Oscar. But if number yes. three is not there, I'm going to be the first one to tell you it's not it's not the right place. The person that you report directly to and the people you're going to be rubbing shoulders with on a day-to-day basis, not only should you respect them, but you should like them enough that if you have to go out and break bread with them, it's not going to be something you dread. Mm-hmm. And what happens is a lot of young people take jobs, Right. Yes. And they don't really know that manager's style. They haven't yes. talked to people that work for them. That, yes. that relationship is critical, right? And mm-hmm. if you're unhappy, you're going to leave. No matter how much value you're adding, no matter how much you're growing professionally, if you don't like the people, especially your direct report that you're reporting to, you're not going to stay there very long. So I encourage mm-hmm. your audience to look for those three things. Yeah. Okay, Gene, you just dropped some amazing three golden nuggets. Please, for the benefit of our audience, just summarize it again. Just repeat it, those three things again. Three things you look for. Number one, can I add value to this company in this role? Okay. Number two, can I grow professionally here? And if so, how? Yep. Number three. Do I not only respect my direct boss and the people I'm going to be working closely with, but if I had to go out and do a business dinner with them, it wouldn't be something I would dread doing. Okay. Yes. All right. So those are the three things. If you can find those three things, my experience is, right, you're going to be there for a while. You're going to grow. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And what young adults don't realize, Oscar, and this is another chapter in Grad to Grown Up. It's their responsibility when they start with a new company. They have to seek out mentors. They have to seek out mentors because that mentorship relationship can make such a difference, right? Yes. Whether you stay, whether you grow, right? You know, so, but it's their responsibility. You can't expect a senior executive to come and tap you on the shoulder, you know? So in in the book, there's a chapter about how you go about seeking out a mentor. You know, how you go about talking to them, you know, Uh, you know, I'll tell you a funny story, you know, because the book goes from there's five sections. It's life. It's job search. It's career. It's personal finance all the way to health and relationships. But one of the chapters in the life section is entitled talk to the oldest person in the room, Oscar. Right. (laughs) I love it. I got an email two weeks ago from a young, uh, this is a young lawyer in New York City who had, re- had read the book. And he goes, I have to send you this email because I had just read your book and I had a 14 hour day and I was on my way home and I stopped in a restaurant to get a bite to eat. I'm eating by myself, but I look up and this is older person at the bar having a drink. So I finished my meal and I said, you know, I just read that chapter, <laughs> talk to the oldest person in the room. And you, and you, I list for them a number of questions to ask, right? Yes. Says, right, let me give this a shot. And he goes up and he sits next to the person asking and starts asking him some of the questions. And he said, I have to tell you, two and a half hours later, I left that bar. <laughs> I had one of the best nights of my life. The man uh, I was down with was a retired ex-senior writer from the Johnny Carson show. Oh, wow. Okay. He share and he goes, but I never would have put myself out. You know, I never would have even thought about doing it. So I thought you would appreciate that, that email. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I love it. That is so cool. Um, boy, uh, Gene, uh, hey, hey, listen, folks, okay? Like, get, get the book. 
Get the book, okay? Gene is dropping again to some amazing wisdom here. Um, great stuff. Gene, you, you, I want to go back to the mentor uh, piece because that is another area in my own career leadership uh, training that I do. It's a question that I get often asked, um, more so from younger professionals, but even um, uh, mid-level uh, professionals. And the question is, it's like, how do you find a mentor? Can you just give us maybe one or two tips on how a young professional sure. can, uh, can, can like if they, for example, wanted to approach you and, you well, know, I'd, I'll, I'll tell you real world, Oscar. So when we would bring those eight interns in every summer, right? On the first day, I'd spend some time with them. And I mm -hmm. would say to the three interns, you're here for eight weeks. If you don't accomplish these three things by the time you leave, You've wasted your time here, okay? Number one, you're doing an internship in an executive search firm. When these eight weeks are over, you should be able to ask yourself two questions. Can I see myself doing this every day? And number two, can I see myself enjoying doing this every day? Yes. And it's okay if the answer is no. That's why you did the internship. Yep. Right? But if the answer is yes, we may be interested, okay? Number two, okay? There are a lot of senior people here. They're good people, but they are extremely busy, okay? But if you go out of your way, can I take you to lunch? Would you spend a half an hour with me? I have some questions. I guarantee every one of them will respond to you and give you that time. If you leave here and you don't have people that you've met in this office that are willing to be not only a reference for you, but possibly a mentor in your career, you've wasted the eight weeks. Yes. And the third thing I'm going to tell you, this is an executive search firm. When these eight weeks are over, if you don't become a grand master of interviewing, right? You know, <laughs> you play chess. I said, yeah. right? A grandmaster, you know, in, in, in sports, you know, in the Olympics, it's called a gold medalist. In, you yes. know, in science, it's called a Nobel Prize winner. Yes. I want all young adults or everyone to become a grandmaster of interviewing. Why yes. is that important? Right. They don't do. I mean, coming out of the colleges, the career centers just they all train the same way. So the yes. kids are going out and they're interviewing for a job against five other kids all interviewing the same way. Yes. This is a skill that needs to be developed. Yes. I want you to be a grandmaster of interviewing. Why? When you find that job you really want and you're interviewing against four or five other candidates, the grandmaster gets the offer. Not yes. only do they get the offer, they get paid more. Mm -hmm. So in the book, Grad to Grown Up, I walked them through the five steps of how you become a grandmaster. The five step, one, two, three, four, five. I even walked them through at the end. Now you got the offer. You know, should you negotiate the offer? Absolutely. Let me tell you how to do it professionally. You know? <laughs> so, so that's what I would tell our interns. And I tell the young people listening, it's their responsibility. Don't be afraid to reach out to senior people. Let me, I'm going to tell you a story that hopefully your, your audience will hear and they'll understand where I'm coming from, Oscar. You know, I, I don't know if I told you, but you mentioned it. My wife and I started a charity in 2008 yes. called Plan to Seed Inspire a Dream Foundation. It takes kids that have a passion coming from families that are really financially challenged. And I understand how much of a passion for a young person, what that means. I had four of my own kids. Three of my kids found that passion. The one that struggled the most was you know, in the teenage years was the one that never found her thing, Oscar, right? Yes, yes. You know, my daughter was into acting. My son was a basketball player, right? What, what do those passions do for a young person? First of all, it builds their self-esteem. It connects them with positive role models, whether it's the guitar teacher, the sensei, the basketball coach, right? Yes. Depending on the passion, it connects them with like-minded kids, so it builds a social network. My son got married two weeks ago. Four of his ushers were four young men that he played travel and AAU basketball with since fourth grade, right? That's <laughs> Yeah. Well, this other charity that knew about my charity, right? This charity helped foster kids that never knew their parents get into, get into college, Oscar. And if the young person graduated from college and they were struggling getting their first job, they would reach out to some business thought leaders in the area and ask for help. 
So this charity calls me up and says, listen, we have this great young man coming at a temple. He's having a hard time getting that first job. Will you talk to him? I said, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. First thing I say to him, what was your major? Sports management. I said, sports management. Oh, my God. I said, I said, <laughs> I said what have you done so far? Because I sent my resume to the Philadelphia Eagles, the 76s, the Phillies, the Philadelphia Union, the Flyers. I said, well, what's happened? He goes, no one's gotten back to me. I'm like, well, let, let me explain reality <laughs> here, right? First of all, most there's not many jobs in sports management. And usually a young person coming out of college with a sports management degree, they have to know someone to get that first job. I said, so, it, you know, the reason why they haven't gotten back to you, you know, all those franchises is if they were looking for someone with absolutely no experience, they'd re reach out to you and the other thousand resumes they got. Yeah. You're never going to break in that way. Yep. I said, I will work with you and we'll go on a journey together, but I have to ask you two questions first. How passionate are you about this sports management industry? Because if we get lucky, and we probably will strike out, but if we get lucky, you may end up working for a single-A baseball team in Des Moines, Iowa. Are you willing to move to Des Moines, Iowa? He goes, I'll go anywhere. I said, okay, okay. Here's the second question. Before we start this journey, we're probably going to strike out. I need to know what plan B would be. What are you willing to do if we can't break in? And he says, well, I, I go into sales. I said, great. There's a lot more sales jobs out there. <laughs> so we went on a journey together. And this is what I want your audience to hear, Oscar. I said, in my profession, because I've been on these, a bunch of these top executive recruiter in the world list, right? I would get every single week, Oscar, between 80 and 100 resumes sent to me. Wow. When I tell you, I couldn't even read them all. But I, if I could help one out of 100, it was a lot. Because the way the executive retained industry works you specialize in one vertical market. You become mm. the top executive search person. We did management, we did management consulting and we did ed tech. So we put the senior partners into McKinsey, the senior partners into KPMG, the CEO of Mercer, right? But if you were the CEO of the number one medical device company in the world, I couldn't help you. That's not yeah. the world that I play in. However, yep. Oscar, Twice a year on average, I'd get an email from a young person. And the email would say something like this. I have a passion for the executive search or human resource industry. I've done some research. I know you're a thought leader. Will you spend a few minutes with me and give me some guidance? Oscar, I'll tell you, I would always return that, right? Wow. And I know most senior people would. So this young man with a sports management degree, I said, your job is to identify every C-level executive. We're going to start within 50 miles of Philadelphia. We're going to start with the major league franchises in AAA, AA, single A. We're going to strike out, and then we'll expand in 300-mile radiuses. And if we get lucky, you'll be in Des Moines, Iowa, right? <laughs> I, he did the research, identified the C-level executives. I, I helped him get those emails. And then I helped him write the email. Right. That he would send. And I want you yeah, to know yeah. in the book, Rad the Grown Up, we take them through this. We show him the email, how to do it. Right. He sends out he sends out the emails. Uh, he gets an email back from the chief marketing officer of the Philadelphia 76ers saying, I can talk to you on Friday. So I, help, so I help prepare him for that call. Yes. What's ask? You have to go into that call with a, you know, what do you say? How do you handle it? In the book, there's a chapter on this. I said, when it's over, give me a call. Calls me about an hour later. I said, how did it go? He goes, I think it went pretty well. I said, why do you feel that way? He's invited me in on Tuesday to meet four people. I'm like, wait a second. He invited you to meet four people? That means there's a job there. He's not going to waste four people's time. Yes. yes. So I prepared him for the interviews. The bottom line was he got offered a job with the Philadelphia 76ers in their corporate sales department. Oh, right on. So what I'm saying to your audience, you're passionate about something. Senior people will respond. Yes. If you know how to ask for help. And, and listen, yes. Oscar, knowing you a little bit, I know you would. I've asked a lot of these senior of executives. 95% of them would respond. You know why? They'd want someone to do it for their family member. You know yes. what I mean? Yep. So you have to know how to handle that call. 
And I, I think a lot of young adults are intimidated mm-hmm. and they shouldn't be. All right. That's, yes. that's the message I, I want them to hear. Don't mm-hmm. be afraid to reach out. There's a heck of a lot of good people. All right. And there's a heck of a lot of good people in the industry that you're passionate about. You yes. just got to be able to, to reach out and reach out professionally and know how to handle the conversation. Yes. Yes. Oh, geez. Yeah. <clears throat> Gene. And, and you know what? Here's the thing, too, is, is that, again, there's so much, so many parallels here and what you teach, what's in your book and in the way I think, too, because. Again, I'm listening to you here, and an example comes to mind where there is a gentleman that I'm connected with uh, on LinkedIn. No name mentioned. Don't need to mention names. His name, but he is on 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 paper the way he describes himself. LinkedIn, very very smart, highly accomplished person, but the way he communicates his work, his passion. He needs to talk to you, okay? And and I use his profile, his about section, as an example of what not to do, okay? And then I actually, not because she's my daughter, but and, uh, but Angelica, and she did it all on her own. You go on to her LinkedIn summary section, and she shares, her, her long-term vision is to be a college professor of ethnic studies. But the way she describes herself on her LinkedIn profile is very passionate with a vision. And she's telling you why she wants to pursue that. And to your point where you just said, like, as, as I like you, I love helping people, especially young folks, you yeah. know, encouraging, yeah. mentoring, et cetera, and so forth. But you help your cause when you can communicate, convey that passion and that vision that oftentimes you can leap over Someone that is highly smart, intellectual, but just doesn't know how to convey that passion, that vision. Listen, becoming a grandmaster of interviewing, that's that's the number one thing, the first step. And, you know, that's the first step that we teach them. But a lot of it is also this. Let, let me share with you. There's two things I'm going to mention to you. A lot of it is perspective, the eyes that you look through, you know. Yeah. When I meet people that own their own business, I always ask them how do they describe the business, you know. And I, and I can tell you over the years, I asked one gentleman who has a, a, a landscaping business, you know, you know, tell me, how do you describe your business? I cut lawns. I asked another gentleman the exact same question. You know what he said to me? I make the world beautiful. <laughs> they both do the exact same thing, Oscar. Yeah, yeah. They both do the exact same thing. But one of them are looking at it from a different perspective. And that's critical for young people. The second thing I'm going to tell you is the gentleman you mentioned from LinkedIn, a lot of it is sometimes basic stuff. Let me give you an example. I helped a a friend of my son's about five years ago. And this was a young man, Oscar. He was coming out of Penn State University. Engineering degree. Really good GPA. And if you met him, he looked like he worked at a GQ magazine. He had the appearance. He had the whole thing. He was articulate. My son said to me, Dad, will you talk to him? He's had nine interviews and no offers. I said, said, an engineering degree from Penn State? He has no offers? So I talked to him. I said, take me through your last couple of interviews. And here's what he was doing. He he was asking what I call win-lose questions. And, and, And let me give you an example of that, Oscar. He, he asked, and this is the first interview, right? He asked a company in the first interview, I've, I've done my research. I know you, I noticed your stock price has been declining. Can you tell me why? Right? That's a win-lose question. <laughs> Another interview, he did some research and he, and he found out on Google that the CEO had a sexual harassment charge against him. And he asked, how is the company dealing with this? Right? I want everyone... And this is part of being a grandmaster. You don't take any job until you get all your questions asked, answered. Mm-hmm. But you have to ask win-win questions early on. And for your audience, if they want, if they go to the website, they can download that free chapter on what is a win-win question. Grad2grownup.com. Yes. And they can download. There's certain questions that you have to ask. So to go back to the person you mentioned on LinkedIn, he may 
there may be a step that he's stepping and he doesn't realize, right? Yes. Yes. Not just young adults. I can't tell you how many CEOs I prep for interviews that didn't really know how to interview, you know, because they hadn't interviewed in years, right? Yes. There's a skill to it, but it's a skill worth mastering. Yes. It's critical, you know, and the, and, and the college campuses, they're just not doing a great job with that. The career centers, if the kids even go to the career centers, they're all prepping them the same way. So when they come out, Oscar, they're competing against other young adults the exact same way. Yeah. You have to separate yourself, you know? Yep. 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 Got to stand out. Got to stand out. And uh, hey, Raul, uh, thanks for joining us, my friend. Uh, uh, Raul Seca here is on. Uh, appreciate this guy. Just uh, I think maybe about a month ago, six weeks ago, left his job, is uh, venturing out on his own, young professional uh and uh and so forth but um gene we're gonna wrap it up here and before we do uh and by the way angelica thank you she's doing a great job here just summarizing some of your points she also just dropped a link here to the grab to growing up uh website you can see it there pop up uh, on the bottom left so um we uh she's dropped that here but gene before we wrap it up um if you can summarize for a young professional, um, some some key steps they need to take to identify or find their passion. What 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 would that uh, those those steps look like? First of all, if there's something that makes you wake up in the morning smiling, mm-hmm. if there's something that you feel like, oh my God, I can't wait to do this, I want them to take the time to figure out is there a way that I can create a career here, okay? Now, if you're not sure, I am a big proponent of free internships. People will give you opportunities. If you reach out to a business owner or to a company and say, I'm willing to work for free, can I come in? I believe I have a passion for this industry. People will take you in, okay? Mm -hmm. So I encourage them to do that. Now, I encourage them to do whatever they need to do to become a grand master of interviewing. You know why? They're going to have so many options. If they really understand, it's a skill that needs to be developed, okay? Just like you go and you learn architecture, you learn accounting. This is a skill yes. that's critical. And in my opinion, they're not. this is not what they're being taught, right? And it's critical to take the time to do that. You know, that's why grad to grown up with this, Older people listening, it makes for a great graduation gift, right? Yes. Take the time to become a grandmaster of interviewing. Give yourself the best chance to get the job that you want. Give yourself the best chance to get the the better compensation that you want, right? Mm -hmm. And then find purpose. I'm going to tell you right now, if if you want to run a company one day, you you, want to start your own company or be a CEO of a Fortune 500, I've placed a lot of them. And the ones that are the happiest are the ones that are most valued within their firms, their stockholders, their board, their staff. They're ones that find purpose and passion in what they do every day. And that's what I want them to do. I want I, I don't want people to be part of that 51% of executives that are, have no job satisfaction. It's too wow. late. You know, when you're yeah. 50, I still encourage you, but God, think of how many years you've wasted, you know? Yes. Find that thing, and I'm going to tell you, you find that thing, the money will follow you. Yep. The money will follow you. True. Okay? It's true. It's true. Gene, I mean, I literally, I could just go, like, take a little break, like a two, I can already tell you, two minutes and 15 seconds. That's how long it takes for my microwave to pop popcorn. And uh, come back and just keep listening to you for the rest of the afternoon because you just have so much wisdom and also, it is a type of wisdom that I can relate to. It's practical. It's practical. Okay. If I if I want theory, I could go spend sixty thousand dollars a year and go back to college. Okay. But it's practical, my friend, and I love it. Um, Gene, last parting words here for our audience. Anything that you want to share that you haven't shared? Uh, just uh, some last words. Yeah. Here's what I want to leave your audience with, Oscar. Okay. I want them to create for themselves a mindset of gratitude. Now, a lot of people hear that, they throw that term around. 
My experience has been that young adults don't know how to start. And let me tell you how to start. You put your head in the pillow tonight. I want you to recall three things that happened today that you're grateful for. And those three things can be as simple as the lunch you ate, the TV show you watched, and the sun coming out. Yeah. And I promise you, if you can do that every day, there's going to be days when there's five, six, or seven things that you're grateful for. Yeah. You're going to wake up and your eyes will see things a little differently. You'll look at life a little differently. You can become that Tigger. You don't have to be the Eeyore. All right. Smile <laughs> more and the people that are important to you in your life will enjoy being around you more frequently. Yeah. So that's the last thing I want to leave them with. And the last thing I'm going to tell you, the book, you can get it anywhere. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, Target, Grad to Grown Up. And every financial income that comes from this book, for me, is being donated directly to the Plant a Seed Inspire a Dream Foundation to help more young adults between the ages of 10 and 18 pursue their passions. So yes, they'll be yes. making a contribution to a great charity as well. Yes. Uh, no, thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, folks, Gene has offered here a, a, a signed uh, a T-shirt and a copy of his book. <clears throat> um, Gene, I've, I've got someone in mind that afterwards I'll share with you uh, and, you know, um, I'll, I'll get their contact information and so great. forth. But uh, Gene, again, Thank you for being on Career Talk with OG. Thank you for just such incredible wisdom that you have shared. Um, and again, you've done it in such a way that it's simple, easy, practical. Um, and um, not only do I appreciate it, but our entire audience I know does too uh, as well. And uh, last little buddy, thank you again for joining us uh, today here on on. Career Talk with OG, really love and appreciate your support. Same thing, uh, Raul. Uh, folks, we'll be back. Gene, big round of virtual That's round of applause here to you, my friend. Thank you, Thank my you. friend. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, everyone. You take care of yourself. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Career Talk with OG. Be sure to rate us and let us know what content you want to see on our next podcast. For more information, visit our website at www.aspidaconsulting.com.